Okay. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless us. Father God, we thank you for, for one, such a wonderful salvation and the truth you've given us, Lord God. We thank you for what you've revealed to us. And Lord God, we pray that indeed we would take hold of it and that our lives would be the better for it as we take hold of your truth and um, apply it to our hearts, apply it to our lives. Father, we pray for your grace and mercy this morning as we look into your word. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Okay, now I will squint a little bit <laughs> because... Still can't hear me? Just turn me up a little bit. Thanks. How's that? Better? I will squint a little bit and I'll just warn you all, especially my wife. <laughs> this thing here is supposed to switch to presenter view. So I'm supposed to get big writing here. But that only works when there's two monitors. I only found that out last night at midnight. So <laughs> I haven't got two monitors here. If we ever connect this to that, then the system will work that way. But when I've only got one monitor, it only works this way. So anyway, so you just have to bear with me. So we've been looking at um, biblical realities over basically the last year. But there's been a lot of, lot of interruptions, um, many which have been good. But anyway, that, that's, a, that's the situation. So um, we, we look, in one of those biblical realities, we've been looking at the um, Holy Spirit. So we've, we've looked at the fact that the Holy Spirit imp uh, gives us, uh, empowers us to live for God. And we looked at that under several topics. One of them was that the Holy Spirit wants us to be devoted to God. And so then we looked at Romans chapter 12, verse 1, where uh, you, you're probably quite familiar with the verse that we present or yield our bodies uh, a living sacrifice wholly acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. So we looked at that, and I want you to remember the word yield uh, as we go through the presentation. And then the second thing we looked at was the Holy Spirit wants us to be dependent on him. And how does that happen? Well, we looked at Galatians um, 5.16, and we looked at walking in the Spirit. And then uh, we moved on to Ephesians 5.18, with his very interesting term, to be filled with the Spirit. Then, then we looked at the definition of the Holy Spirit. We looked at his personality. We looked at his deity. We looked at his office. And at the moment, we're looking at the special work in the believer. So the filling of the Holy Spirit is a special work uh, in the believer. So we started to look at verse 5.18. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, Corinthians 3.16 says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now that happens at salvation. As soon as someone is saved automatically that happens. The Holy Spirit comes and dwells in that believer. So what does it mean? If he already lives in us, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, we looked at, um, we looked at the Greek word and, and basically it means to make full. 
to fill up like you would fill up a glass of water. And then also there's this secondary meaning here which means to abound or, or to furnish or to supply liberally. Now that, that gives us quite a clue in, in, in that meaning as well. Then we dug a bit deeper into the Greek word and we found that the Greek word was this word pleiro'o. Pleiro'o, I think that's how pronounced it. Is that Zoe? No? Okay, it doesn't matter then. <laughs> the Strong's number, 4137, that's the, that's the number the Strong's have assigned to this Greek word. Now, interestingly, that, no, that Greek word comes from another Greek word, which is assigned 4134, and that comes from another Greek word, which is assigned 4130. So the word filled is used in three variations in the New Testament. So we had a, we had a look at how that was used, and we had a look at the other uh, instances in the Bible where it tells us that people were filled with the Holy Spirit. So... John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. He shall be filled, it said, and that, and that came from the Greek word 4130. And then you can see Jesus, when, when the Bible says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit, it's 4134. It's essentially the same word. And then uh, we jumped over to various others and um, we found uh, other instances, the, the apostles, the disciples... Peter, Paul specifically, and uh, we can see again that only those three variations of that word were used. And in fact, uh, Acts 13.52, when it talks about the disciples, is 41.37. So it's exactly the same word as is used for be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. So the point here is that the same root word is used in all the instances of Jesus and the apostles when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The only difference in the word is, is the tense. So with, with John the Baptist, he shall be filled. That's future tense. And other times when it says Jesus was filled, that's past tense. He was, he was filled. So they're essentially the only difference is the mood and the voice also. But... Essentially, so Jesus and the disciples experienced what we should experience according to Ephesians 5.18. That's amazing, isn't it? That we would experience um, uh, the same thing. Then we looked at the characteristics of that Greek word a little bit more. We looked at what the tenses mean, uh, what the moods mean. We looked at what the voices mean. And we came up with a few, um, with a few pointers about the words which are very important. So, in, in most contrasts, there is some point of comparison. And we can see here there is a contrast because it says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. So, there's, there's a contrast there. So, we found that uh, generally the commentators talked about this contrast and they said, well, a person filled with the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, a person filled with the Holy Spirit acts in an unnatural manner that is good. It's not natural for us to, to act in a, good, in a good way. But filled with the Holy Spirit, you act in this way because he's controlled by the Spirit. So <clears throat> we found that that contrast gave us a lot of meaning. And then um, in the Greek grammar, to be filled is in what they call a second person plural, which means all of you. 
all of us, all of us should be filled. In fact, every Christian should be filled by the Holy Spirit. And then uh, we also looked at the next uh, characteristic of the Greek word, and it's in what they call the passive voice, which represents the subject as receiving the action. And the subject here is, is you and me. We receive this action of being filled. Now, there's a question here. Let me ask you this question. The Holy Spirit does the filling, but who appears to be in control over that choice to be filled or not to be filled? Who's in control? We are. We are. That's right. That's right. Let's keep that thought. Yeah. Uh, but I thought to myself, all Christians can be filled. Can be filled. Yes, that's right. Can be filled. Yes. One of the commentators says, sadly, not all Christians are filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, let's let's keep going. So um, the next the next uh, characteristic is this mood. The the Greek word and even English words have a, have a mood associated with them, and the mood. Uh, the imperative mood expresses a command to the hearer to perform a certain action by order of the one commanding. So this is a distinct order from God. This is a distinct command to us from God. Like, for example, when Jesus said to, to, to people, repent and believe the gospel, that in, in, in Matthew or, 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 or Mark, that's not just an invitation that, that's a command. You, you should do this, and it, it requires obedience on the part of the hearers. So we found that uh, all that information came from the various characteristics of the Greek word, so it gave us a lot of meaning. It, it's something that is, is necessary for us to do. So then we thought to ourselves, well, how does one get filled by the Holy Spirit? I mean, it's so important um, you know, Christians should be filled. It's a command. It's a duty. We should all we should all be filled. Hang on, I, f- I forgot one. Sorry about that. One of the other ones is uh, it's in the imperfect tense, which represents continual or repeated action in the part in the past. So, again, the verse is telling us keep on being filled. So we have this command to be filled by the Holy Spirit, but keep on doing it moment by moment. So the verse has got quite a lot of information in it that, that we need to be aware of. So, so we said to ourselves, okay, well, if it's so important, how do we do it? How do we, how do we make sure that we are filled with the Holy Spirit? So we then looked at... Um, we then looked to see if there was some specific formula, and we found a specific formula for being saved. And if you go through the Bible verses, you can see that the specific formula for being saved is belief, faith, trust, and request. So if someone needs to be saved, according to the Bible, if they go through that, they will be saved. Like, for example, the thief on the cross, essentially, inherently, did each one of those things. And in the end said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. There's his request, Jesus, save me. So we found that that was quite distinct with salvation, which we, which we would expect. But with, with filling of the Holy Spirit, it, it, it doesn't appear to be that distinct. So 
I thought, well, let's have a look around. Let's see what the commentators think. Let, let's see what they write about this verse. So I've got several commentaries at home, <coughs> and generally they all, they all come up with the same general idea. They, they sort of come about a little bit differently. So I'll go through what they say. So I've got, I've got the King James commentary um, at home, and um, the King James commentary... Though they don't, it's, it's um, compiled by several Christian writers, though they don't give direct biblical quotes, um, he, he says something like this about verse, eight, verse 18. He says, When we are willing to let the Holy Spirit saturate us, he'll pervade, that is, infuse and penetrate our being, our entire being with his presence and power. Then the commentator goes on and he says, Filling is not a question of having more of the Holy Spirit, for he indwells each of the believers, um, but a question of the Holy Spirit having more of us. Uh, that makes some sense, doesn't it? And the Wycliffe commentary also suggests that last phrase, that to be filled with the Holy Spirit is more of the Holy Spirit is, is more that the Holy Spirit has more of us, not that we have more, more of him. So we then said, well, how, speci how specifically do we give more of ourselves to the Holy Spirit? How would we do that? And then one of the obvious places to start is to look at what upsets the Holy Spirit. How would the Holy Spirit not... You know, how would we not be giving the Holy Spirit more of us? And of course, it's fairly clear. If you grieve the Holy Spirit, you're not giving more of yourself to the Holy Spirit. If you quench the Holy Spirit, you're not giving more of, the, of yourself to the Holy Spirit. If you resist the Holy Ghost, which is the Holy Spirit, you're not giving him more of yourself. So let's have a quick look at each one of these. So if you, the, the, to grieve not the Holy Spirit is, is Ephesians 4.30. So at the end of uh, at Ephesians 4.30, there's just a statement. It says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. So we think, okay, how do, how do we grieve him? If we look at a few verses beforehand, it comes fairly clear how we grieve the Holy Spirit. Of course, we grieve the Holy Spirit by lying. We grieve the Holy Spirit by, by um, letting the sun go down on our anger without dealing with it, with, with our brothers and, and sisters and, and, uh, and our spouses. We, we, if we give place to the devil, that, that will grieve the Holy Spirit. If we, um, if we steal, uh, if we have corrupt communication, and uh, if we don't minister grace to the hearers, that will grieve the Holy Spirit. So if we try and... and essentially live more godly, we're not, we're not grieving the Holy Spirit. We're essentially giving more of ourselves to the Holy Spirit. And then uh, when, uh, when we did this months ago, when we looked at what grieves the Holy Spirit specifically, we looked at also what grieves the Lord Jesus Christ. So we, we had a good look at a few verses and we found that, um, we found that Jesus was grieved um, when people don't rely on God in prayer. Jesus was grieved when, when we're worldly-minded, when we have disbelief in the Scriptures. In fact, disbelief is sin. 
um, when we have wrong motives in seeking God, when we doubt, and our doubting leads to little faith. This grieves Jesus. It, when, we, when we have no faith, which leads to fearfulness, this grieves Jesus. And, and even lack of perseverance in the work God has given us, that grieves Jesus. So we can see the more we grieve the Holy Spirit, the more we would grieve Jesus, the less we give of ourselves to the Holy Spirit. So then we would, we would assume the less we would be filled as, as we grieve the Holy Spirit. And at the bottom, in the very small text there, I've got the presence of sin in any form grieves the Holy Spirit. And then uh, the next one, uh, quench not the Holy Spirit, as in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.19. We shouldn't suppress, we shouldn't stifle or oppose the Holy Spirit's will. We shouldn't say no to the Holy Spirit. Because that, that will quench him. The Holy Spirit is, is likened as unto fire in, in the New Testament. For example, in Matthew 3.11, in Acts 2-3, when, when there was the first appearance of the Holy Spirit, remember it says that, that they were like cloven tongues of fire above their heads. So the Holy Spirit is, is you know, likened to fire. So the word quench shows us quite clearly what we're doing when we, when we um, say no to the Holy Spirit, when the, when the Holy Spirit leads us to do something, we shouldn't pour water on it and, 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 and put him out. So we're not giving more of ourselves to the Holy Spirit when we do that sort of thing. And then the last one, uh, resist not the Holy Ghost. This, this comes from Acts uh, 7.51 and this is specifically Stephen the Martyr talking about the unbelieving Jews just before the Jewish leaders were going to stone him. And God also called the disbelieving Jews uh, in, in this sort of way, that they, comp- they resist the Holy Spirit. So again, um, we, we wouldn't be giving more of ourselves to the Holy Spirit if we, if we behave that way. But that word resist is actually a very strong word. It, it means to run against, to be adversarial, to, to oppose, to strive against, and that goes a bit further, to actively strive against the Holy Spirit. You can imagine if you're doing that, you're certainly not giving much of yourself to the Holy Spirit. Oops. So the opposite would facilitate the filling of the Holy Spirit, wouldn't it? So if the Holy Spirit is ungrieved, if he's unquenched, if he's unresisted, the Holy Spirit would love to fill us, wouldn't he? We would be giving ourselves to him. So now, we might be getting a bit closer now, so let's consider this. The presence of sin in any form grieves the Holy Spirit. Okay, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Suppressing the Spirit's promptings quenches the Spirit, right? Now, I better just pull up a couple of these. Here we go. So, the presence of sin in any form... Oh, boy, now this is not working for me very well. Oh, there we go. So, the presence of sin in any form grieves the Holy Spirit, and we see in Hebrews that um, the Apostle Paul 
calls that sort of um, sin, uh, calls sin willful. In fact, any sin is willful. So he calls the sin willful. So to grieve, the presence of any, of any sin grieves the Holy Spirit. Hebrews calls that willful. So remember that word, willful. Suppressing the Holy Spirit's prompting quenches the Spirit. I was going to ask you the question, but it came up. Because we want to go our own way. Isn't that right? We would, the only reason we would want to quench the Holy Spirit, let's say the Holy Spirit's prompting us to go to church on Sunday morning and it's a lovely day and we want to go to the beach. So the Holy Spirit's saying, Branko, you should go to church today. Now, I want to go to the beach. It's a lovely day, you know. Jump in the surf. So I'm suppressing the Holy Spirit, aren't I? So I want to go, no, because I want to go my own way. That's the point. So the presence of sin, sin is willful. When I, when, I, when I quench the Holy Spirit, it's because I want to go my own way. And then stubbornly turning away from the Holy Spirit's guidance resists the Spirit. Now, if you, what's the opposite of resisting the Spirit? I'll ask you the question. What's the opposite of resisting the Spirit? If the Holy Spirit's saying to me, to to, sorry, to invite, to invite him, yeah, there's another word, to, to, to yield, to yield, exactly no. right, to yield. Sorry, John? To go with the flow. But the word I was looking for is yield. Yes, yield. Exactly right. So what do the commentators say? Yeah, yielding to the Holy Spirit. So what do the commentators say? Well, Whitcliffe, he says, the Holy Spirit can get more of the believer when he can exercise complete control of the life that is yielded to him. So the, the commentators have the same idea. The Holy Spirit can have, sorry, yeah, the commentators have the same idea. The Holy Spirit can have more of us when we yield to him. Uh, King James Bible commentary with the various author says something similar. The Holy Spirit having more of us when we are willing to let the Holy Spirit saturate us with his will. He will provide us with He'll pervade our entire being with his presence and with his power. So the word willing, when we are willing. And then Matthew Henry. Matthew Henry says, Men should labour for a plentiful measure of the graces of the Spirit that, that would fill their soul with great joy and courage with such things sensual men expect that their wine should inspire them with. So he's picking up, Matthew Henry's picking up on that contrast. Now the graces of the Spirit are joy, charity, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, generosity, gentleness, faithfulness, modesty, self-control, chastity. There's a lot of yielding in there, isn't there? We would exhibit those graces as we yield to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. One more, 
Now, this is not a comment. Well, he's a commentator. He's written quite a, a, a good book. Keith Piper is a pastor from Sydney. He, he actually goes a bit further and he says, this is how you get filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is, this is what he writes. He says, um, turn away from your sins and choose to obey God. And quotes uh, 1 John 1.9. He says, give the throne of your life to Jesus. Yield yourselves to God, Romans 6.13, which we'll look a little bit more in detail in a minute. And uh, then he goes down and says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. God's thoughts then become our thoughts. He says, uh, don't quench the spirit, don't suppress or stifle. When the Holy Spirit leads to do something, don't pour water on it. So he's got the same idea. He says, be yielded to the will of God as the rule of your life. Quench means refusal to follow the evident leading of the Holy Spirit. The evident leading, and he does that for us. That's one of the blessings of being a Christian, that the Holy Spirit gives us evident leading. And then he says, yieldedness to the Holy Spirit includes uh, submission to the plain teaching of the Word of God, obedience to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. For example, soul winning, Bible reading, prayer, basics. And then acceptance by faith of the acts of God, e.g. suffering. Why is God letting me suffer like this? I don't like this. Yield to that, to that, um, to the goodness of God, to the, to the, um, uh, you know, to the all-knowing power of God. So uh, now this is where uh, Keith Popper says only Christians yielded to God are filled with the Holy Spirit. So as we saw that Ephesians five eighteen says, "Be ye filled." It's a command, but we don't, you know, we're not forced to do that, and some Christians aren't. Okay, so now let's let's see if we can tease out a little bit more out of the verses. So the commentators have put us on a track of yielding. Let's see if you can find some verses that that will that um, uh, support this or or deny it. So if we look at Romans twelve one again. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable, your fair and sensible service. So God here, when we read this verse, he's trying to, he's trying to convince us, isn't he? He's trying to convince us to present our bodies to him. Now, why would he be trying to convince us? Why is he making an argument here? Because this is clearly an argument. He's, he says, look, you know, present your bodies a living sacrifice to God. It's reasonable. It's fair and sensible. These are arguments. Why, why would God be wanting to do that? Because people, people won't do it. They need to be convinced, don't they? People need to be convinced that this is a good thing to do. So, um, now, why do they need to be convinced? We can think of things like Jeremiah chapter 17 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The heart wants to go its own way. So, we need to be convinced intellectually 
trust God, submit yourselves to God. So that, that's why, and then um, if you look at Romans chapter 7, remember Romans chapter 7 where Paul says, the good that I want to do, I can't. And as you read that, you can see that's like a cold war. It's like Satan saying to the Christian, come, come this way. It's a lot easier here. You won't be challenged. It's going to be smooth sailing. It's like a cold war. And the Holy Spirit's saying, no, no. He's wrong. He's lying to you. This is, this is what you want to do. So our flesh wants to go the easy way, doesn't it? That's our humanity. That's right. But that, that's, why, that's why this is an argument of God. He's trying to convince us. He's trying to say to us, look, don't be distracted by those things. Yield to me. That's, that, that, that's what he appears to be saying. And A.W. Tozer, another commentator, uh, he says this about this verse. He says, the Holy Spirit cannot feel what he does not have. So I surmise, this is my idea, that we need to be convinced to present our bodies in all its functions, in all its functions, our mind, our personality, our spirit, our love. We need to, we need to present all of that to God. So we have now five out of five commentaries basically saying the same thing, really. Yes, sorry. Yeah. I'm thinking of um, fashion. Fashion, yeah. And I'm thinking of um, modesty, for, especially for women, but also for men, mm -hmm. who want to appear fashionable, yep. but are um, precious mm. by fear or by the way the world Yep. So, so the world is saying to you, dress like me, yeah. and the Holy Spirit's saying, mm, the Bible says that you should be modest. It's more important to yeah. be a not funny dummy. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Mm. So that's a good example of yielding to the Holy Spirit, isn't it? Because the Holy Spirit would be prom prompting at that stage if, if, if one was a Christian. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so we found this connection. We present our bodies to God by yielding to him. I think that's, that's a fairly strong connection in that regard. But I did want to find um, an, another connection between yielding of a believer 
and filling of the Holy Spirit. I want to see, is there, is there another connection so that we can be a bit more confident that this is what it is? So, um, now, there is actually. If you go to Romans chapter 6, now, um, Romans chapter 6 talks about the old life to be considered dead. It talks about your life. Consider it dead. Consider that old life dead. Now have a look at the occurrences of the word yield in those verses. We have 6.13, Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness, but yield yourselves unto God. Romans 6.16, Know you not whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are. Romans 6.19, as, as ye have yielded your members to, as servants to uncleanness, now um, yield your members servants to righteousness unto the holiness. It's, it's fairly clear in Romans 6 how we live the Christian life. We yield to the Holy Spirit. We yield to the promptings of God and put aside those temptations that come from the world. Now, What's the Greek word for yield? Now, what I missed before, let's see if I've got it. Here it is. I missed this one before. When it says uh, in Romans 12.1 that ye present your bodies, it comes from this Greek word here, paristaimi. I'll ask Zoe later. But anyway, we have a number here. 3963, that's the strongest number. Now that's translated in this case as present. But there are another five cases in the New Testament that are translated yield, the same word. And that's the one we saw just here. That word yield there is that word present. It's, it's that Greek word. So there, there it is. So it's exactly the same one. 3936. So we could say here, Romans 6.13, neither present your bodies as instruments of unrighteousness. So we can, do the, we can interchange that. Okay. So there, there, these... Um, yeah, I've already said... Okay. So... This supports what A.W. Tozer said. The Holy Spirit cannot fill what he does not have. So as we yield to him, he has us. That's how we give more of ourselves to the Holy Spirit, as we yield. Now I've got one more possible connection, and then we finish. So, now in, uh, in Romans chapter 6, if you look at Romans chapter 6, the context there is the sanctification of the Christian life. And uh, as, as the Apostle Paul um, uh, presents sanctification in Romans chapter 6, I've summarised it like this. He brings out three principles in sanctification. Now sanctification, as you know, is becoming more like Christ in this life. So the Apostle Paul, as you read through Romans 6, uh, uh, says the first principle is that you know that Christ has been raised from the dead. 
death has no more dominion of us. He's saying that's a knowledge. You've got to have a knowledge if you're going to be sanctified. Secondly, he says, reckoning yourselves to be dead to sin. So this is thinking yourself to be dead to sin, considering yourself to be dead to sin. So you start first with knowing, then you you apply it and consider, yes, I'm dead to sin. I I, I won't do that. And then uh, the Apostle Paul says the third uh, aspect of, um, of sanctification is not yielding our members as instruments unto sin. So they're, they're the three concepts of, um, uh, of sanctification that Paul describes. And then he goes on and, and, and says that the, this, this reckoning ourselves to be dead to sin, that's like a daily reckoning. Every day, yes, I'm dead to sin. I'm not going to sin. You know, it, it, the Holy Spirit is telling me to do, to do other things. So daily reckoning, constant yielding of our members, that's the, that's the context of Romans 6. So now we have constant yielding and we understand that being filled with the Holy Spirit is a constant thing we're supposed to do. So we already have this constancy as a, uh, uh, as a connection. So now let's, let's go to um, Rome, uh, Romans 6. Now you remember the, the, um, the second principle uh, was about putting the old life to death. The, the, that second principle of sanctification, knowing, um, reckoning ourselves to be dead to sin. So that second principle is about putting the old life, considering it dead. That's that second principle of sanctification. Now, oh, sorry, too quick. So there, there's that second principle that the old life is to be reckoned as dead. So Romans 6, 11, Likewise, reckon, think yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. Let not sin reign in your mortal body. So remember that, that that's that second step of sanctification. The old life is to be dead. Now, if we go to Romans chapter 8. Now, in Romans chapter 8, the context of Romans chapter 8 is the spiritual life. So, in Romans chapter 6, now when, you, when you read Romans, it's like, it's like a masterly argument. This is the fact you should do this. So, he's, he's a master lawyer, the Apostle Paul. Um, so in, in Romans 6, he's saying the old life should be dead. In Romans 8, um, he, he's saying that um, this, is, this is how you live the spiritual life. Now, in Romans 8, the Holy Spirit is mentioned 19 times out of 39 verses. So on average, every second verse, the Holy Spirit is mentioned. Now, we don't have time to read it at the moment, but that's okay. So you can check that later yourselves but in Romans 8 13 <clears throat> remember so as we read Romans 8 we realize how important the Holy Spirit is in living the Christian life and then in Romans chapter 8 it's like the nail is hit on the head with the hammer and Paul says for if we live after the flesh ye shall die but if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body ye shall live so we found that for us to live the Christian life, for, for us to, 
to kill the deeds of the body, we have to give more of ourselves to the Holy Spirit. And then Romans chapter 8 says, well, once you give more of yourself, once you yield, you know, through the Spirit, I will help you to do all that. And it appears to me that when we mortify the deeds of the body, uh, sorry, um, how do we mortify the deeds of the body? We mortify it through the Spirit, according to Romans 6, 11 and onwards. That's how we become dead to sin. And then we yield to God as told to us through 6.13. So if you put it all together, it appears that as we yield to God, we mortify the deeds of the flesh. And we do that continually. And as we yield to God and mortify the deeds of the flesh, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. I think that's, that's the only connection that, that, that makes sense in, 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 uh, in, this, in this argument. So, yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, this gives me the, the idea that Paul, when he wrote, I am crucified, mm. was uh, his own will. His own will, yes. Yes, body, that's right. Yep, yep. My future, yep. Uh, I am crucified yep. Christ. Yep. And this is a, a, big, a beautiful picture of what you say here. Mm. Because we are dealing, we are that's giving right. away our life. Yeah, but the very idea of crucifying, crucifying hurts, doesn't it? You have to be convinced to crucify. You have to, you have to change your will. That's right. And to suffer, you have to yield. I, I can't see any other way because we don't want to suffer. Who wants to suffer? We have to yield to God and say, okay, God, oh, oh, for your sake, yeah. Yeah, thank you. That's yeah. So, as far as I can see, how do we get filled with the Holy Spirit? Yield to God's commands. Yield to the Holy Spirit's convictions. Uh, you know, the the commentators are saying this, and I, and as I look at it now, I can't see can't see any other way. Mm. Any more comments? Any questions before we close? Yes, Zoe. Hmm. Mm. Despite the fact that you might not go that way, yeah. you're yielding, surrendering. Yeah. Mm. It's I, a, I imagine you know, a knight in the old days uh, yielding. I yield, I yield, don't kill me. <laughs> or yeah. I um, or bowing yeah. and yielding allegiance. Yeah. But it's a decision. Like, for example, say, say, um, say you want to do something yeah. and... Uh, it's not necessarily wrong, but excuse me, you want to do something, and then you read something in the Bible about a principle that seems to fit that, and and you think, oh, oh, there's a principle. Oh, what I want to do there mm, doesn't quite please the Lord. Oh, but I want to do that. Yielding, yielding. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Yes. <coughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah, correct, correct. Yes, that's right. And that's hard to do. Yeah.
Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Never about us, exactly. But the flesh wants to elevate ourselves, doesn't it? Yeah. John. Luke eleven thirteen. Jesus tells us, if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to mm. give and ask? Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, thank you. All right. It's uh, ten eighteen. So let's pray, and uh, we'll go into our main service. Father God, we thank you for, for your word. We thank you, Father, for the, 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 the blessings of it. And Lord God, we pray that indeed we would see the truth of your, of your love, that we would see the great advantage of following you. Father, we pray for your continued blessing for us this morning. Be with Pastor as he brings a message this morning. Undertake for us in every aspect, in the, in the singing of hymns, in the giving of um, our tithes and offerings, Father. Be with us and guide us, Lord, that we might indeed please you. So, Lord, we pray these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you.